Entrepreneurs often have similar characteristics. Energy, passion, vision. But why do some soar to success while others struggle to climb? Less than 2% of women-owned businesses in North America ever achieve a million dollars a year in annual revenue. Why is that? And how do we dramatically increase that number? Welcome to Breakthrough with your host, Sarah Roach-Lewis. Sarah offers conversations with the ambitious women entrepreneurs in that 2% to help you break through. Now, here is Sarah Roach-Lewis. Well, hello, ambitious one. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Breakthrough. Perhaps you have a bold ambition or an emerging desire to hit the million-dollar mark and beyond in your business. You may be well on your way or just starting out. Regardless, this show is for you. I want to welcome Jessica Higgins to the show today. Uh, Jessica is a serial entrepreneur, investor, advisor, award-winning market expert who helps create radical organizational growth, including consulting with seven of the Fortune 100 companies. If that's not quite enough, she owns a fund of funds, an award-winning marketing agency, an advisory firm, has offices and staff around the globe, and she's written a book called 10 Essential Business Skill- Communication Skills. So welcome to Breakthrough, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Well, can you just tell me, let's just start off with a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. I read that you started your first company pretty quickly at a university. Um, so I started my first company when I was 14 years old, <laughs> so <laughs> I hadn't quite made it there yet, and um, I don't know, I just always wanted to work. I never could understand information just in like a bubble of itself. I always kind of needed to apply it to the real world to really comprehend it, and so that's just, I'm, I'm, I love learning, and I can't. Like I can't just kind of grasp things in, in an abstract way. I have to take them and play with them and make them my own. And so that's kind of been the drive from, from, you know, from the start. It's just taking, taking things you, you learn and go, okay, let's actually do something with this and see if this works. And that can lead to a lot of failures as well. Like you haven't read the list of fails. That list is <laughs> <really> long. <laughs> it's funny how we don't put that on our bio, right? I have a friend who does, who's like, lead failure artists and I think that's just really crazy and fun but it's true um yeah but why don't we talk about that stuff well let's talk about it then um tell me about a time that something showed up as a you know was a failure how you dealt with it and then how did it show up as a win later on yeah I think that those moments are the most telling and the the best lessons come from those times of like when I feel, and I used to be really bad at failing, but then I realized down the line that those lessons will continue with you because those scars, you don't forget. And so you don't repeat scars. And so now I, you know, when I land in a space like that, I go, okay, good. So we're not going to do this again. But I remember one time having somebody take credit for my work and like, really put me down and make me feel bad despite like our work together. And I'm not a person who likes credit for my work, but it's a really painful experience when you have something like that happen to you, especially as a woman, because it's, it's kind of especially offensive for women. Cause I feel like people do that with us, right? Kind of put us down, take advantage, take credit. And, and so when that happened to me, I said, okay, fine here it is. And I gave that person all the IP 
signed it away to them and was like, now it's yours and you can continue forward and we'll see how this actually goes for you. And that lesson for me was a really good one. It's like, it's kind of like going through a breakup. There's like, there's the one side of things where you can try to air out the dirty laundry and fight it out. But what's the actual best thing to do is go, okay, wish you good luck and smile and leave and go on your way because that's the actual, like, most harmful thing you can do to that person at that time. <laughs> that was a great lesson for me. So now when somebody tries to take advantage or is treating me in a way that I don't feel safe or comfortable in, I just sign off on that and I'm like, okay, goodbye. And the things that I find along the way as a result are with people who value who I am as a person and what I value as a person. And that's how I've created the success that I've created is just doing, you know, leading with values, I would say. Okay. Talk to me a little bit more about that. And actually, can you just give me a little bit of context around, so, you know, we sort of started talking about, um, about some of the businesses that you own, and then we just jumped right into failure. Um, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, sort of this business trajectory that you've had. So you started a consulting firm and then moved on from there. Is that correct? Yeah. So I started in management consulting, which is kind of like those parents who teach their kids to swim by dunking them into the deep end of the pool and seeing if they can make their way out of it. And so starting a management consulting is where a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, land. You know, I, I had been very entrepreneurial and then went into graduate school, came out, and I had this law degree. And I was like, well, I definitely don't want to be a lawyer, so let's go do something else. So then for management consulting, really saw the state of affairs and saw where it was lacking in the human centric side. So created a human centric model that had all the quant of the business world needs, but then also was people centric. And then from there, really understanding human motivation and behavior and culture um, began kind of looking at how to market things to people, how to connect people with new ideas and how to really help people by connecting them with new ideas, which led me obviously into finance because that's the area I think a lot of women need the most help. And um, it, it just led me into a path of, you know, building a venture capital fund where I'm investing in, in businesses. That is my dog and he is playing with a toy. <laughs> Sorry about that. Charlie, come here. Anyway. So I think that's where we've gotten to where we are now. Um, and the next step for me is going to be creating my second book, which is going to be, I think the funny, the funny way of approaching this is how I made my, uh, my investment portfolio, my sugar daddy. So talking about like women's empowerment in terms of, you know, culturally what we think of as women and how we proceed with our finances and how to really rethink that so that you can create your own sugar daddy and it just happens to be your portfolio. <laughs> I love that. So do you see a difference in your experience as an entrepreneur about in terms of men and women and how they approach business? I mean, I'm sitting here with my dog child on my lap right now. I know so many women who wish that they could have it all by doing, trying to do everything and trying to do it all at once. And I think men culturally cannot understand the experience of being a woman. Like they simply can't. I had a, a friend of mine who's a pediatrician who was explaining to her doctor boss, like, you know, all those things your wife does and all those things you do, I do both of those. <laughs> and so it's, it's almost, I mean, it, the differences are profound. I think we are so lucky in so many ways because we, we come to the table with a level of empathy and empathy is in my opinion, the biggest 
tool in business. Um, I think that we're experiencing cultural shifts right now where more people of diverse backgrounds like women, like people of color are coming to the table. And for our culture's history, we never saw ourselves in the products and the services that we were creating because they weren't being created for us. And we're, we're in a huge opportunity zone right now where a woman of color can create a product for people to see her and see that product and see that need in them as well. And there are so many of these niche markets that are open to women uniquely that like white dudes just can't fill the need there, you know? <laughs> it is amazing. And it, I think, so what do you see as some of those levelers? Cause the reality is we've been 50% of the population um, since the beginning of time. So what do you see are some of those levelers that are happening that can support women in business now that weren't there even 15 years ago, 20 years ago? That was why I was always gravitating toward the internet because I love that it didn't matter if I was a woman if I was on the internet selling things to people. Like it didn't matter if I was coding websites as a woman, I was just doing that work. And so I, I love the internet as an equitable space. And I think that women need to kind of choose themselves. And I mean that because I, ha I had somebody I was mentoring just this week talking about, well, you published a book, I wish I could get a publisher. And I'm like, I wish I self-published my book. I, are you kidding me? Like, I, if I could do it over again, I would choose myself every single time. And I think women just need to choose yourself and go through a pathway that doesn't matter if you're a woman. If you're sitting in a boardroom and people aren't respecting you, get the hell out. Like, go find a space where you can be respected. And if that means picking yourself, then just do it. And it's, we're, we're at a unique time and space right now where, like, you know, to do this 20 years ago, we would have needed NBC to approve us. And now here we are. It, it really is amazing. Um, and, you know, not only would we have needed NBC to approve us, we would have needed to be in the same location or have so much more equipment. And it, yeah, so you're right. Um, the internet and that is certainly a leveler for sure. Um, you know, you achieved seven figures in your business at about the two year mark. So tell me, how did you grow so quickly? I led by delivering value and over producing and, and just doing over quality work. I like to surprise and delight people and that's just kind of my DNA. And so when you're doing that and it really takes that plus funnel, like if you have no funnel, you, you know, don't leave your day job. You need to get a good funnel of business. And once you get that intro, if you keep delivering well, people will, you know, through word of mouth, you will always, always have a place in this world. Um, and so to get where I was, was a total accident. I created something because I saw that there was a need and there was nobody filling that need. And so I just did it. And it worked really well and it continued working really well. And I was really lucky with that, you know, and um, it, I think it is a lot of luck, right place, right time and, and having a great network of people that I could tap into. And perhaps a whole lot of hard work, right? And ambition. <laughs> Somebody thought that I was like, I was sleeping in my office and somebody took a photo of me and they were like, she's homeless. And I'm going, I technically do have a home. I was just sleeping. <laughs> like, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Amazing. So when you think about, you know, the things that you've done in the past, so, you know, part of what you're talking about is I would love to hear a little bit 
you started off in management consulting. And so you're walking into uh, corporate offices, boardrooms, which we know are um, traditionally full of more men than women. At that point, you were quite young. What did it take in order to sort of have the confidence and the, the drive to, to, to just look past all of the barriers and say, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it? Yeah, I think it's a lot easier for me now and I don't know why. I don't know if it's a cultural thing or if it's just from being who I am for so long, but I still think about those days almost every day I wake up and I'm so grateful because I remember putting my hair back in a ponytail, my glasses on, no makeup, like a baggy shirt with a baggy sweater on top just to make it okay for me to be in a room and speak and actually be heard by the other people in the room. And, you know, a lot of people are offended by those things, but it's like you can sit around being offended or you can just do whatever it takes. And, you know, being taken out to the dinner meetings that are actually not dinner meetings and just like so much nonsense, so much nonsense. And just constantly being driven to succeed anyway and to do the right thing, which is, you know, always stand up for yourself even when it's really, really hard. And I think that it was like built this shell of confidence around me that was like, now I have to do this thing. Because if these, if everyone's experiencing this, there have to be like those of us who are unafraid to stand up for ourselves. And I still have to do it. I, I was in a meeting two weeks ago and somebody said, oh, is that the marketing girl? And I'm like, well, do I have to call you the finance boy now? Like, is this how we have to speak? This feels really offensive. Can we all be adults instead? And it's like, if you call people out in that, you know, I use humor just because I'm a really sarcastic person. And it makes it like funny, so it's kind of less offensive that you know that you just basically um, you know hit somebody in the ego. But I, you know, I, I think it pays to not have an ego as a woman, and maybe we're just built for this. But it's it's definitely been tough. I I feel for everyone you know who's had these experiences, um, and it, you know, so many women have come to me and said. I was afraid to move forward because of something awful that happened to me. And that's just, I mean, how much innovation did we miss out on for all these years that we were letting this happen to us? So many good points there and picking up on that innovation one, you know, I, and, and, it is such a challenge for women in these spaces because not only is it having to make these decisions time and time again of like, oh, I'm in another meeting that, you know, another dinner meeting where this is not really about having uh, a business conversation. So I am now responsible for untwining myself out of this rather than you know, the culture is one that those things are still acceptable. I would argue probably less acceptable. Um, but, you know, I think that's one of the challenges that women face is not only is it, um, they continue to have to be responsible for being confident and managing other people's bad behavior. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been lucky that the people who I've drawn to come and work at my companies or work with me on projects 
are people who respect and are very protective of me. So now, like for instance, my business partner, if I feel that something is even slightly inappropriate, he will step in and just say, you do not get to work with us. And I'm in the business of marketing and investing. So I'm giving you money and I'm making you money. So having, you know, I'm in value creation zone. So having, you know, getting your business turned down because of something stupid that you've done because you're a man is, is a very bad mark against you at this, at this point. But yeah, I mean, how many people are in my position? Maybe 1%, you know, of women who can, who can do things like that. And so I, I wish I hate these conversations because I wish I had an easy answer. And when I do, let's tell everybody, <laughs> but Absolutely. for now we just keep, yeah. don't quit and don't let, don't let anybody but the market define you. If you have a terrible product or a service, let the market decide that you should do something else. But if it's because of some guy, no. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, you've given us two really interesting pieces of advice already um, in terms of if we're looking at let's move the needle, let's move our business to, you know, seven figures and beyond. It's actually three, choose yourself every time. You talked about the internet as a place to go. And you know, the other thing that you just talked about is putting yourself in that position of being the value creator or the money giver. Those are places where, uh, you know, again, you're really looking at how do we, how do we uh, level that playing field? And those are th three or four really good ways of doing it. Yeah. And also just surrounding yourself with great people. I mean, I've come into so many industries as an outsider and that's the management consulting way is you kind of show mm. up and you pretend like you know what's going on and so you figure it out. And, and having always being able to be open and self-aware that I don't know everything. I, I need to know more. I'm constantly learning and I'm surrounding myself with really brilliant people and then just absorbing them like a sponge because you know, Oh, I think self-awareness is a really big block for so many people because realistically we create an opinion and then we continue to try to verify that that opinion is correct. And everyone who's worked with me is like, you are such an open person because somebody can come to an idea, come with me to, with an idea and I'll say no, and then let them defend themselves. Like my no is not a real no. It's show me what you've actually got going on behind this. And if it's something that I can believe in when you've been turned down and you can convince me, awesome, let's do it. And, and I think a lot of people will block themselves like in an opinion. You've got to keep your mind open to the world because the, like, the less you know, the better off you will be because you'll just learn from people who you know, are way better than you at things. Amazing. With that, I'm going to take us to break and I cannot wait to come back and continue this conversation. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach-Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach Lewis. To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to Sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's Sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. Welcome back to Breakthrough. My name is Sarah Roach Lewis, and I'm uh, pleased to be here today uh, with Jessica Higgins. Before we went to break, we were talking about not closing yourself off to the nose, um, or not closing yourself off too quickly. And it reminded me of um, an article that I read one time. And and sometimes it takes people seven asks before they agree to you know whatever the sale is and so I think even just being able to shift our mindset when someone says no to is that a no or a not right now and can I circle back later right you know there are so many different ways of of reframing what can be so challenging when you feel shut down So um, one of the things that I'd love to hear from you, Jessica, is what do you see as your greatest strength in business? And what are some of those areas where you feel like you're still growing? In business, I think just absolute stupid persistence is gotten me so many places that I probably shouldn't be just because I, like you said, you know, when it comes to being open and, you know, not blocking yourself off with no, I also just proceed as if no is just a temporary response. (laughs) So it's like stupid resilience. Just like, I I don't feel it. I don't feel a no. I'm like, Oh, okay, let's do it this way. You know, um, I've had men go into meetings that I've given scripts to and said the same things and have them be heard. I mean, there is no way that you are getting past me if I decide that I'm doing something. So my first week in finance, it was actually a really, really, you know, very impressive Wall Street guy came up to me and he, and I'm used to men not seeing me as a, like what I actually am. I'm used to them kind of, um, you know, I'm flying under the radar. And he said, I'm going to nickname you Dominator because you remind me of this guy on Wall Street that we also call Dominator because there's like, there's no getting past you when you decide on something. And I think that is something that, you know, anybody can benefit from. I mean, it'll get you into a lot of trouble, but it'll take you really far as well. And then the areas I'm still working on are like, trying to not skim over the details. For me, uh, I think I'm moving in so many directions and there are tiny little moments that can mean a lot if you skip them. And so I am really trying to absorb every single detail of the space that I'm in right now um, because it's, it's very important to me for... It's, it's important to me to come off... As I come off as like a very chill, relaxed person, I don't come off as the fancy business professional because I just think that's that's just you know people who need to do that, whatever. But I need to kind of work on being able to outspar anybody in the finance world because that's a part of finance. That's just that's just the reality. And so trying to pick up those details for sparring material is new because I'm like 
not an argumentative person. So I'm trying to learn how to be a little more aggressive in that space. Talk to me about the finance world that you're in right now. How long have you been um, doing this sort of investing? Uh, right at a year. Okay, so this is new. So tell me then when you're looking at this, so I always think it's fascinating when you've experienced this great success in one area and then you decide to go somewhere else. What of that success have you that you've taken with you? What is that experience that you've taken with you that has made it a little bit easier to navigate these waters than the first time you started a business? Mm, I think just being very skeptical and intricate with details. So what I learned from the world of entrepreneurship is that there are so many entrepreneurial ventures that are set up to raise capital and not generate value. And that was what really pushed me out of the world of entrepreneurship to the point that I became just sickened by what I saw. You know, a lot of, a lot of smart people fail for dumb reasons. Um, like taking on bad debt uh, is the worst way that like otherwise smart people can easily crash their businesses. But then there are these other businesses that are just set up to, you know, get investor money into their own pockets to fund their nice car dreams. And I, I hate those as well. And so it led me toward finance with the knowledge of the entrepreneurial world of both sides of things. So it's very hard to get past me if you are either of those groups as a result. And I would say the lesson to be learned there is, you know, if you are trying to scale your business and you are taking on high interest rate debt to do so, please do not do so. And if you are trying to generate value um, for, you know, for real value creation purposes sake, just if, if, you, if you need capital, look for investors, look for investors looking for new ideas, put together a really solid pitch deck, have a really great team that can execute and just keep at it because you will find investment capital because there are very few people out there like you and there are a lot more investors wising up to the former. And I think when the investment world sees what I see, it will be a very bad time for the economy. Hmm. So what is it that you see, what is it that you look for? So you've sort of identified what you're not interested in, but as you are building this out, what is it that you look for? So earlier this year, when I first got into this, I did very well off of that, that side, understanding that side of things that I just discussed. Now I'm playing through to a world in which our next economic downturn has happened. Um, we have learned nothing from the last economic crisis. We are more leveraged now than we've ever been. Businesses are leveraged. And even worse, we have an older generation of people who hold large amounts of capital. Our millennials are not buying homes, which means they can't retire because in 60 years, their mortgages will not be paid off. They will continue to have to pay rent. I think there is going, it gives me chills to think about these things, but these are very real things. And so, um, I play chess and I play through and I'm investing now in a way that when those realities occur, um, I will be in the right position at that time. Interesting. Interesting. So when you look at, so what then let's, let's talk about that. What advice do you have for women who want to be um, moving forward, who want to be, 
building their business and moving it to that seven figures. Stop listening to marketing. You do not need that purse. You do not need that house. You don't need any of those things. I wish women would start making reasonable decisions. And that means foregoing the things that other people have told you are right for you or that you need or that you have to have and follow, pick your plan, pick your goal and write down every step that you are going to take to get there and do every single one of those steps and you will get there. And, um, you, you know, if, if you took that $4,000 handbag and invested that in your business, do you know how much further down the line you would be? I mean, I, when I really grasped that fact was the moment that I could really understand the finance world was, um, you know, the marketing decisions that we all make and the financial decisions that we all make are fundamentally at odds and I cross both worlds. So I feel like the part of that for me means, you know, being a responsible woman who tells other women these things because for many years I have been a marketer and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm embarrassed about that at some, in some ways. And I think um, if women could really grasp that they are able to create the lives that they want absolutely on their own and you don't need a man and here is exactly how you do it and you make smart decisions and as a reasonable person every single day, then we would all be unstoppable. <laughs> One of my goals for this podcast radio show is to is to increase the economic prosperity of women because when women make more money, um, that makes uh, for better families, for better communities, and for a better world. I truly believe that gender equality can solve all of the world's problems, uh, every single one of them. And so, you know, right now, so I love what you're talking about. Tell me from a very, like, what does that look like when you say being persistent um, and, you know, not like really going for your goals with this sort of dogged determination? What are the things that you do? Do you have routines? Do you have sort of the non-negotiables in your life that allow you the stamina and the drive to be persistent and to be as driven as you are? Right? Because isn't it easy to say that in a podcast and then you have to go and do it every single day for the rest of your life? So it's kind of like, what am I actually saying? No, that's a very fair comment. So what I do is I, and I got this from Zig Ziglar, you write down the goal that you want to achieve. And I started this journey by writing down, I, I will make a million dollars this year. And I just wrote that down. And I looked at it every single day and every single decision that I had to make every single day involved that. But what I was actually saying is I actually wanted $100,000 of passive income and I knew how to generate that off a million dollars. So by the end of that year, I had just hit, I just got underneath my goal, but I had generated $100,000 of passive income, which was my actual goal. And so I understood what that meant. I, I knew, I sat down and I said, okay, what does this mean for me? It means I'm not going to date. I'm not going to go out and spend my money. I'm not going to go to social, you know, social hours and socialization. I'm going to take my valuable time that I have every moment that I have that I can free up and I'm going to put it toward this goal. And so I would say for anybody, first of all, 
there is no such thing as an unreasonable goal. There are only people who will not commit to goals. So if you, if you really get, get out of what you limiting belief you have about yourself, oh, but I'm a mom, oh, but I'm this, and write down a goal that you actually have that you want to achieve, and then just take every piece of, of knowledge, of care, of passion, of love, and cultivate that goal every single day, and you might not make that goal, but at least you will have made progress. And that's, you know, that, that's, that's, that's enough. Like I'm, um, working with a, a woman who she's now, I mean, she was a mother, she's a mother of nine. It took her to be on bed rest with her ninth child to realize that she wanted to be, you know, a contributing, um, you know, entrepreneur to society outside of her home. And I, I was having a call with her husband the other day and he was like, you know, I'm so proud of her. She pays half the bills now. And he's like, he's like, he's like, I had no idea. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's true. You don't have to change your identity or who you are or, you know, what you want out of life. You just, you just have to get out of that limiting belief that you can't do it. Write it down. Do it. Look at it every day and just work toward it. I have mine laying around me right now. <laughs> so tell me then, what are your goals? What is it that is, you know, the next big, bold goal for Jessica? Yeah, so 2020 is a really big year. I think it's really important and empowering for me in a lot of ways. So I actually just did my 2020 planning and um, writing my second book is definitely on that list. Um, there is a huge acquisition strategy that I have been pursuing and I'm not able to talk about yet because we need regulatory um, approval before <laughs> we own it. So um <laughs> that into a very, very big brand is my next move because I've been, I've worked with people at that phase where like they had a pretty cool business and then I got them to like a really cool business or they had kind of an idea and then we got them to, you know, having a full-time business, but I haven't ever really put my name on it as mine. And so being the owner and the creator of a major brand for me is the most exciting thing that I can do at this moment in time. Uh, so that's what's on, that's what's on the tap for 2020. Yep. Writing that book to help women, you know, become their own sugar daddies and uh, creating a major brand in uh, yeah, in this, in this world that I think will do well over time for a lot of people. Well, I already have my hand up for the, for the book. I, I just think it's such a delightful um, idea and a delightful name. And it really speaks to, not, to one of the challenges that women face is around sort of that economic security. You know, what's interesting in that, though, if, if we go to the flip side to the, of that, women-owned businesses just are not able to access the kind of financing and any any of that sort of world that um, that male owned you know their their counterparts are able to. Do you have advice for women who are in that place of you know perhaps not even realizing that not that they don't realize it, knowing that they want it, but really struggling to, to overcome some of those structural challenges that we face if we're going for, you know, sort of the VC world. Yeah, the VC world, the outliers were what pushed me into coming full, full head into finance. Um, I had private conversations with, you know, men who would say, 
I'm so tired of this culture. We need more outsiders. We need more women. We are such a closed door. I mean, the walls of Wall Street are painted white and closed. And that is 100% your reality. So you need to get creative. And, you know, there's that story of the... Um, the two female founders of the makeup box company who created a fake mail um, email address that they would email people with uh, until like, you need to understand that it's 100% not an open space. And then you need to get creative about how you pursue that space. And that means leading with really professional pitch decks, leading with a really great team of people, putting yourself like I have put myself in inferior positions in companies and had a male CEO on purpose, 100% on purpose. I've done it a few times. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with having yourself in a place that men feel comfortable understanding that you would be. Like, I'm the head of HR and this guy is my CEO. They make, if it makes people feel comfortable and it gets you to your goals, who cares about the title, quite frankly. So I, I think that that's the best advice I can give you is the honest advice. And I mean, if any male venture capitalists are offended by this, um, please reach out in the show notes. There are probably a lot of women who are in need of you right now. <laughs> it's really true. And I think I, I appreciate your honesty and the fact and, and just sort of that awareness of absolutely. We are in a place right now where it is not an open door. I, in, in the past, uh, in another world, I did a lot of work with women in trades and also um, a place where there is not equality. And one of the things that we used to say all the time is like, like it or lump it is really unfortunate, but you absolutely have to be the best of the best just in order to be considered average. That's true. And, you know, and that's not saying that you need to forego your values. My core values are the most important thing that I always lead with. There is a way that you can stay true to your values and also succeed. You just have to get creative. Look at Oprah. Oprah exists. I love Oprah. <laughs> like, just have your, like, Oprah shrine for those tough moments where you have to take a breath. <laughs> have an Oprah shine. I love that. Listen, we're going to go to commercial and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach-Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach-Lewis. 
To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to Sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's Sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. Welcome back to Breakthrough. I'm here with Jessica Higgins, and uh, we were just chatting a little bit um, about, you know, all things business. Jessica, one of the things I would love to hear from you, uh, you know, you're so accomplished, and I'd love to know what role mentorship has played in your business and, and, and life. Everything. I am so grateful for all of the amazing mentors that I have had along the way. I have an innate ability to make people laugh. And so I just get in the room with the smartest people that I can find. And I'm like, please help me. <laughs> and make, make, I make legitimately close friendships. I think you can't treat people in a transactional way in any, anything that you do. So I've had great mentors because I value people first and I give them a ton of value first. And then we build, you know, close friendships over time. And I mean, I have very famous, you know, CEOs and and business, you know, professionals that, that will call me whenever they're having a moment and I call them. But I mean, without those people, I would be nothing. Oh my God. And Sadly enough, they've all been men. I wish I could say I've had one female mentor, and I have not. Um, and th- I think we need to change that. But I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> well, I can tell you what to do about that if you'd like. <laughs> I mean, part of it is you are this next generation. And so I think part of that question is what are you – Are is that something that you want to work through is how to make sure that women coming up are able to access mentors like you? And that's the thing is, it's like, if I am lucky enough to be in a room with a woman who is amazingly successful, she is mean, man. Holy goodness. You know, like you have to be cutthroat to get to the place that, and I respect that. I really do. And then, I mean, we had the lean in book come and, and bless us with its message mm-hmm. and that kind of the beginning. And for so long, I remember the world in which women were like very competitive with one another. And just today someone said to me, well, we're all successful women. You know, we had to have gotten where we are by supporting other women. And I love that. That's the message that I heard today because that was not our message growing up. And so you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, we've done so much and I've been like an annoying voice of like, let's help other people for all these years. And I need, we need more people like that. We need more people to understand that one plus one equals three and that the more people you help, it's not you versus them. There's space for everybody. And the more people that I help, the more I learn and I evolve as a person and I get so much more out of helping other people in my career than I would if I was selfish, 100%. So here's what's interesting about you. Um, you know, the reality is when you say there are other women in those in those rooms, the rooms that you are in are the women are the rooms that have very, very few women in them. And the women who are in those rooms already are there because they're a hard ass, because they're a cutthroat, because they work their tail off. And as a result of whatever, uh, they they're 
you see them as hard and tough and mean and not necessarily someone that, that could mentor you. What are you doing in your life to make sure or to try and avoid becoming one of those women that you see? It's so true. So I was one of those women, which is why I have mad respect for them. Because when I was 26, I was a, I had achieved every dream I possibly wanted. And I believed that I had gotten where I was by being as completely cutthroat as possible. And I was a little 26 year old who thought that I had to be like the shrillest person to everyone. And it just wasn't who I was. It was something I had built because I felt that I needed to survive, right? It's like the turtle built the shell so that he could hide in the shell. And then I had a moment where I was about to give a, a really important talk to a room full of people and I had my little business suit on and I was like, I am a phony and this is wrong. And so I had my like heels in my car and I threw off my loafers and I put them on and I went up as myself and it felt really awesome to just be authentic. And it's, I get it because we, we, have, we get a certain place in the food chain by developing and adapting, and that's okay. But there's a space at which you can just let go and become yourself. And I actually, I had somebody messaging me just today saying, I've succeeded more in this year than any other year because you convinced me it was okay to be who I am, and that has made me shine brighter. And that's so true. And I mean... The fact that women are, are as far as we are, like we are tough and we should be respected for that. But it's also, it feels so good to be authentic. People trust you more when you are authentic and um, it feels better. You can sleep at night. You don't have anxiety. It's like, it's such a better life. So I, I get it. You know, I've been there and now I'm like, yeah, here I am. Okay, like this is me. And if you don't like it, that's cool. And if you do, that's fine. And it's like, it's nice just to get to be a nice person and not pretend to be cutthroat anymore. And are you able to do that and still do these business deals? Or do you need to have a bit of a persona? There's the good and the bad, right? It was like I was saying, I'm trying to learn how to fight it out and spar it out with the the way that I'm moving because I know that I need to adapt to that environment in that way. But at the same time, like I have people come to me with very stupid business investment ideas all day and they just, they mansplain them to me and think because I have lady parts that I don't understand words. And so it's like you take the good with the bad, right? You understand that if you're going to, you know, um, work out and walk around in yoga pants that people might assume that you're a yoga instructor, but oh well, you're comfortable. So you just are self-aware and understanding of what you have to deal with. And so it's a, it's a trade-off I'm willing to take. Um, I, can't, I can say it's because of the success that I've had that I'm able to do it. I feel for women who aren't able to do it. Yeah. I mean, God bless all of these women in this room. I, every single boardroom I've ever been in, the woman has been the least paid. What? <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. The answer is, you know, you, you just have to well, be self-aware right? enough to understand. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. that recognition that um, we are. You, there's there's a recognition that we're lucky um, that not everyone has the ability to make those decisions. And if for the folks who are feeling like, but I can't do that, 
sometimes what we need to recognize is it's just the tiny little change. Like what is that incremental change? So what is the one thing that you can push back on tomorrow, not blow up your world and, and start over again? I also think, you know, the, the thing that I find so interesting about this, you know, w women who are um, particularly in the business world, I had a conversation, I have conversations all of the time with women who are really successful. And part of it is just having those conversations and just opening up that idea that it is our responsibility to, um, you know, to, to lean back, to look back, and to help that next person up the ladder. I remember having a conversation with someone who what I consider a dear, dear, dear friend and a kind and loving and generous person who sort of said, well, I had to work really hard and um, to get where I am. Kind of a dot, dot, dot. And it's like, yes, and does that mean that everyone else has to work as hard or can we share some of those secrets? Can we widen that path a little bit? So I think part of it really is um, being able to have those kinds of conversations that inspire people to think about the ways that they can support other women in business as they're growing. Yeah, and you just mentioned something that's so interesting because you said it might just be a little change. So I wrote that book on communication and my, one of my clients read it and was like, you might be the most manipulative person I think I've ever met after you read the book because the book is written as a business communication book, but it's actually, it was my homage to like tiny little ways that you can get your way in any situation, even if you are a female and that is the design of the entire book. And men read it too. And it's been um, distributed in universities and it's, you know, I think communication is that it's that secret little move that we can all make in, in any situation, large or small, that we can make the culture that we want to create over time through tiny, tiny little moves. Because I don't think, it's funny, I saw a study that if there was one woman present in leadership in a company, 90% of the men at that company said women were well represented, which tells me they just don't know. So there's nothing like, you know, creating awareness in other people that you can do through your communication, your words, your actions, and um, small moves every single day. If you're, you know, if you're trying to start your own business and you're having to deal, you know, with tough situations or you're in the biggest company in the world, we all have to deal with things. And it's hard work for all of us, for sure. I'm going to put the name, um, your book, in the show notes just so people can see it, but it's The 10 Essential Business Communication Skills, and it was released number one at Am on Amazon, so, uh, you know, just adding that to your list of amazing um, accolades, so, and successes, I suppose that's what that is. Um, you are one of less than 2% of women who have achieved seven figures in business and beyond, and we don't often take time to celebrate that. So I just want to say, you know, number one, congratulations. Um, and I'd love to know, you know, what are some of the things that you may do differently now? And what are some of those things that are just tried and true and you do the same now as you did the first day in business? Um, as far as like in what context? I want to I want to add value to your question. So, so in terms of, grow, of growing your business, like what are some of those things that, you know, you just 
do kind of like they're just sort of this is a standard way that Jessica does business as compared to this is some of the ways that your business has evolved over the years because of the way that it's grown and scaled? Yeah, so I am very flexible about management styles, which drives people who are accustomed to old ways crazy. Um, but I don't believe in structures. I don't believe in titles. I don't believe in levels. I think that we all come together. We do great things together. We're motivated by the right things. We are in the pursuit of a common goal together, or we are not. And so I have always been that way. And it is driving my business partner insane. Um, because people love offices and nine to fives and structures. And I just believe that we, if we are meant to value great outcomes, then everything we do should be about that. And if you want to do that on the couch, I don't care. Like, I, that's how I've always been. People ask me how many employees I have, and I'm like, I don't know. And they go, that's not business-like of you. But it's, I think that, I think that, that that mindset is, is what got me everywhere that I am now. I think that it's something that I will always hold on to. Um, I don't think it works for everybody or every business. So I've had to let it, let that go for my, uh, my investments and the companies I work with is like, Oh, you need a job title and you're not allowed to email this person because they're above you for some stupid reason. Okay, fine. Um, but that for me is, is really important. I think the more women owned businesses who, um, you know, succeed in life, I don't care how you do it, please get here. And I want every single person listening to this podcast to please break through the million dollar mark. Because that is depressing what you just told me. Uh-huh. It really is. And it's even to sort of add to that is 44% are over 500,000. So that's part of the motivation for this show is to really help women see that there is a path to, and that there are many, many paths to a million dollars. And the fact is for the 83% or 88% of women who um, whose businesses are less than $100,000 a year, that's where the real struggle is. So for some people, they're happy with that. But, you know, if your business, it, it, it's the greater those businesses are, the more that there's a chance that we've got staff. And that's where when you've got staff, that's when you're going to be really able to work in your own zone of genius. That's where you're going to be able to really affect the change that you want to see in your business and in your, in your world, in your business in particular, because you're not doing the work. You're actually able to work on your business. So anyway, that's my little spiel. Um, tell me, uh, just we're just, you know, sort of starting to wrap up. I'd love to hear how you celebrate your wins. I don't. <laughs> it's so funny. I hear people like you are like, oh, wow, accolades. Oh, I'm just like, what? No, let's, that, that, no, 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 no. I'm a very humble person who likes to think about the next thing. So every time something cool happens, I don't even feel it. I'm like, all right, cool, but what's next? What's coming? What's next? Like, what are we aiming for next? Yeah. I, maybe that, is that a woman thing? Is that just a me thing? Am I broken? I don't know. It just feels weird <laughs> to be like, when I walk into a room with a sign, hi, I was written about in Forbes. What's up? Like, what? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, and I think the celebrating the wins, I, I actually think many of us um, don't celebrate our wins in the way that we should or we could because at the end of the day, 
if we're not kind of celebrating the joy that's happening around us right now, then how do we know that we have joy in our lives? Yeah. I think I'm super unique in that I feel so much gratitude every single day. And I don't know why or how this has happened, but I didn't realize other people weren't. Like I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm alive. Oh, let's do this. And I get to do like work that, you know, I was born in America and not in some country where I would have been sold into lady slavery. I'm like, yay. Every single day I feel so grateful. At this moment in time, we have the internet. It is the information age. We have so much opportunity. It is, we are in such a tiny little speck of the earth at the right place in the right time. And so every single day I feel so much gratitude that I just think not making the most of that and not helping other people would just be a disservice. And um, yeah, if you're not feeling grateful, like just be so happy that your parents didn't die today. And just think about that. And every time you think about that, you know, it, there's, there are no such things as real problems in my mind because we are here right now doing this. And people who get to listen, they get to listen to this. And even if it's totally useless, they got to actually do it, which is cool. <laughs> so true. So in the last, um, in about a minute, tell me about the law firm that you're starting. So I have to sit for the board of bar examiners and I'm not excited about that. And I am doing it because this, you mentioned I do a lot of work in politics. It is completely selfish work that I do in politics. So I see something like pay equity and I go, no, 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 I don't like that. And then I go and I set out to try to fix it. And so right now I think I have this law degree that I'm sitting on and I'm not using it. And I was looking for a nonprofit to become a part of. And I thought, wouldn't it be kind of a disservice if I was like serving lunches to people and I have this law degree that they could never have. So right now I'm going to sit for the bar. I'm going to create a nonprofit um, law firm that is just going, if I have to pay lawyers to work for me, fine, I don't care. It is my pet and my hobby to start working on meaningful issues that can help bring our culture to a better place. And so that is one of the 2020 things that is, that is in the works. <laughs> so we'll see. Jessica Higgins, you are an absolute delight. It has been a real pleasure talking to you. I love your energy and I can't wait to uh, read the book that you have on the go right now and your next one. So thank you so much for joining me on Breakthrough. Thank you so much for having me. Well, and just, and also thank you um, to all of the people who are out here listening right now. As we wrap up 2019, we talked a lot today about, you know, what does 2020 look like for you? And uh, if you are in that process, which you totally should be, I'm offering a workshop right now that's going to walk you through how to double your revenues in 2020. So head over to my my website at srl.solutions, and you can learn a little bit more about how to join me. In the meantime, I hope you'll subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and join me next week on The Voice. American Network. Thank you for tuning in to Breakthrough. Be sure to join Sarah Roach Lewis again with another inspiring interview next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.